Voyage to Procyon by Robert Silverberg. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dale Grothman. Voyage to Procyon by Robert Silverberg. In the deepest level of the mighty Starship One, Peter Conroy lay hidden in a cornfield around him waved the tall stalks of ripening corn high overhead near the distant ceiling of the level blazed the actinic lights that irradiated the broad field and nearby conroy could hear the stealthy footsteps of bayless kent and his men searching desperately for him they had to find him and peter conroy had to keep from being found Crouching low, he edged forward between the bending stalks. Kent thought he had Conroy hemmed in, that he had the entrance to the cornfield guarded. Conroy grinned. He had been brought up in the agronomy section. Kent and his men hadn't. It made a difference. He looked around carefully, then began moving slowly away from them, on his hands and knees. If he could only reach the irrigation tube in time, he thought, if. It had been more than fifty years since the Starship One had left Earth. For more than half a century the great ship had been headed toward the star Procyon and the planets around it, habitable planets detected by the lunar telescope. Fifty years, and there were still a hundred years of flight yet to come before the huge ship reached her destination. Conroy and all the others of his generation had been born on the ship as had most of their parents before them the ship with its vast farms its great factories and its clusters of living centers was all the world they knew but Bayless Kent and his little party of malcontents wanted to change all that they wanted to go back to earth Suddenly something crackled under Conroy's knee, and he froze. A dry leaf, nothing more. But had the others heard it? He couldn't be sure. The searchers were making quite a bit of noise themselves, and perhaps they might have thought it was one of their own group who had made the sound. He decided to risk it, and moved on. Just ahead of him was the irrigation tube again conroy called on his special knowledge of the agronomy section this particular acreage of corn was in the harvest season almost ready to cut there wouldn't be any water in the irrigation tubes now the tube was a little over three feet across and dropped down into the sublevels of the ship where the water purifiers were conroy peered into the tube's depths for a moment then lifted up the hinge cover lowered himself into the tube and braced his feet against one side and his shoulders against the other closing the cover then in total darkness he began to lower himself down the tube hands shoulders feet hands shoulders feet over and over again as mountain climbers work their way up and down crevices after several minutes he was startled by a sudden glow of light from above he glanced up the opening of the tube was nearly a hundred feet overhead now 
he wondered if they would be able to pick him out of the darkness this far down the shaft can you see him called a voice that echoed through the steel tube conroy could see a head silhouetted against the light it goes straight down there's no ladder came the reply it was bayless kent's voice i don't see him down there what kind of tube is this the first voice asked hal lester kent's chief henchman irrigation i think well if he has managed to get down it he's gotten clean away bayliss i told you we shouldn't have let conroy know our plans never mind that now kent snapped coldly search the cornfield he must be here somewhere and we've got to find him before the local agronomist comes by on his inspection rounds there was the sound of the door being lowered and darkness came again peter conroy heaved a sigh of relief and continued working his way down the tube he knew these tubes well his father had been an agronomist and until peter had taken up navigation he had helped his father on the farmlands the ship was like a sealed world a hollow metal planet five miles in diameter that was carrying its crew through space on the generations long voyage to procyon or would the ship ever get to procyon was bayless kent going to succeed in his plan to force the commander to reverse the ship and return to earth not if they depended on peter conway to navigate for them they wouldn't conway working his way down the tube suddenly felt emptiness as he lowered one foot he had come to the end of the vertical tube twisting himself upright he dropped the remaining six feet into a huge arterial tube that ran horizontally into this section of the ship the escape hatch shouldn't be too far from here pipes needed cleaning after the irrigation period was over and the tubes had entry ports for the purpose conroy strode down the tube in total darkness keeping one hand against the side he opened the hatch and found himself in one of the pumping rooms halt right there a voice said you're under arrest it was one of the pumping room guards leveling a snub-nosed stun gun at him who are you you know it's illegal to be in the irrigation tubes without authorization i know said conroy he knew he had no time to make explanations he had to get to the ship's commander he stepped forward too quickly for the astonished guard to react his fist plowed into the man's chin and his other arm deflected the snout of the stun gun just enough to send the neutrino stream over his left shoulder the gun clattered to the floor the guard turned aimed a wild swing conroy walked inside the other man's guard and dropped him with a short punch to the stomach whirling he grabbed the stun gun and gave the man a brief numbing blast opening the entrance to the tube he dumped the unconscious guard in saluted the disappearing man with grim irony and slammed the door closed jamming the lock it would be quite some time before the guard found his way out of the tubes he put the stun gun in his belt and pulled his tunic down over it then he headed for the levitator shaft that would take him up to officers territory it was not easy for a young officer 
to get to see the captain the old man held many lives in his hands and he was busy most of the time but peter conroy didn't dare trust his message to one of the underlings he had no way of knowing how many of them were already sympathizers with bayless kent undoubtedly many of the young officers were with him kent's idea was simple why should the younger generation spend their entire lives cooped up on the starship one he asked if the ship were turned around now and full power were applied they could be back on earth in a little over ten years that of course would use up all the fuel that would normally be used in the next hundred years but what would it matter if they were back on earth and bayless kent had also pointed out that there was no longer danger of a counter-revolution once the ship started back it would have burned so much fuel that it could only continue on to earth it couldn't try for procyon again to many of the young men it seemed like a good idea but they needed a navigator the logical one they thought was peter conroy but conroy shocked at the idea of mutiny against the captain had made the mistake of telling bayless kent to his face that he would have nothing to do with the plot they had been in a shopping center at the time kent had simply drawn his gun and marched conroy to the agricultural section the idea had been to kill him and bury him in the field the body would not be found for at least a year possibly never conroy had barely managed to escape with his life and now he had to get word to the captain before bayless kent did anything desperate he walked down the long corridor toward the captain's quarters there were officers bustling around the corridor moving from one office to another most of them were administrative officers doing their job of governing the people of the ship the guard at the door to the administration office saluted him and said nothing as he went inside he walked over to the appointment desk i'd like to see the executive officer please he said he had to see the exec to get permission to speak to the captain he expected to have to wait quite a while even for the exec and so he was quite surprised when the pretty blonde sergeant told him to go right in he's in conference she said but he wants you there thanks conroy said puzzled he walked into the exec's mahogany paneled office and found himself staring squarely down the muzzle of bayless kent's pistol well well the prodigal returns kent's lean face wore an ugly sneer get your hands above your head conroy how did you get here conroy demanded and where's the exec kent shrugged how did we get in very simple i told the exec i had important news of a mutiny which i did the exec has been um disposed of and i suppose you're going to kill me now no kent said surprisingly things have changed his eyes narrowed one of my men got a little over enthusiastic i'm afraid the chief navigator has been killed and you think i'll navigate for you you'll have to kent said in a blunt tone you see we're going to turn the ship around if you don't navigate the ship will never get back to earth he smiled coldly 
surely an idealist like yourself would never allow a shipload of innocent people to drift through space for all eternity conroy felt a chill at bayless kent's words he knew that kent was right he had to do it unless he could stop bayless kent first and it didn't look as though he had much chance there were five men against him what are you going to do conroy asked lock up the main officers i'm afraid we'll have to kill them kent said flatly but why once you turn the ship around and start back there won't be anything they can do not to the ship said kent but they could have us killed anyway and after all the main reason for this mutiny is to make sure that we see earth again before we die kent signaled to two of the men take him back and lock him up in the cell watch him while the rest of us finish the job he gestured behind himself the executive officer was the law enforcement officer aboard the ship and behind his office the detention cells were located conroy felt the two men grab his arms and push him through the open door into a cell one of his captors pressed a vibro key against the locking plate and the magnetic field came on clamping the door tight against the frame that ought to hold you the man said hoarsely and with his companion returned to the exec officer's cabin leaving conroy alone conroy sat down heavily on the metal bench along the side of the cell and strained his ears for voices from without he couldn't hear anything evidently kent and his henchmen had set about their mutinous work conroy scowled he knew what he was up against personally they would lock him in the navigation observatory for the next ten years keeping him prisoner while he guided the starship back to earth in all probability they would shoot him as soon as he was no longer needed as a navigator it would be he thought better to die now but if he did there would be no one to navigate the ship and once the fuel gave out all the people aboard would be forever lost of course it might be possible to figure a way out in ten years and even if he didn't he could leave a message in the navigation log for the officials on earth to decode but what good would that do really if this expedition failed to reach procyon a century of human effort would have been wasted conroy decided he'd have to take his chances now this was the time to act he had one asset the stun gun they hadn't bothered to search him so he had been left with one weapon of sorts the trouble with the stun gun was it wasn't deadly he couldn't simply point it at the guard who had the vibro key and force his way out all the guard had to do was refuse to hand the key over if conroy stunned him he wouldn't be any better off than before he had to think up some alternative plan he doubled over clutching at his stomach and still grasping the stun gun in his hand oh the guard came over to the door of the cell and peered downward suspiciously don't pull any phony sickness with me conroy i'm not going to come into that cell conroy hadn't expected him to only a fool would fall for that ancient gambit but it served conroy's purpose to have the guard come close to the door with one smooth motion 
he pulled out the stunner and fired the guard looked astonished for a bare instant then dropped senseless quickly conroy ran over put his arm through the bars took the key and applied it to the plate as the field shut off he heard a voice hey what are you doing down there conroy swore silently it was the other guard he straightened up and surreptitiously pocketed the vibro key remaining inside the cell with the door open he waited for the other guard to approach what happened here the guard said running up with a drawn pistol i didn't do anything conroy said he just kneeled over like that he shrugged innocently the second guard frowned and reholstered his pistol in order to bend over his fallen companion that was just what conroy had been waiting for he jerked up the stun gun and fired and nothing happened the gun's charge was gone hey at the sound of the click the second guard snapped his head up and went for his gun conroy hurled the useless stunner straight between the bars of the cell the butt of the gun struck the guard between the eyes and he dropped to the floor on top of his companion acting quickly conroy threw open the door of the cell and scooped up the ray pistols of the two guards then shoving them both within the cell he locked them in with the vibro key he smiled so far so good he turned to run back toward the exec's office there was no one there he eased the outer door gun in hand everything looked normal enough in the outer office hiding the ray pistol in his tunic he strode boldly out the blonde at the desk said why yes sir the captain and the other main officers left here several minutes ago was anyone with them ah uh, yes there was she said lieutenant bayless kent and some other junior officers conway nodded that was as expected did they say where they were going there seems to be something wrong with the atomic furnace at number 19 thrust tube i heard them say they were going down to check it thanks he had no time to call anyone no time to explain he had to move fast if he was going to save the captain and the others somehow the thought of kent's murdering the captain was unconceivable the old man had been on the ship half a century he was the last survivor of the original crew and was as much a part of the great starship by now as the drive engines and the navigator's turret conway could see the whole fiendish plan bayless kent had forced the ship's officers down to number nineteen thrust tube one of the huge projectors that drove the mighty ship through space all kent needed to do would be to kill them with the ray pistols and claim that something had gone wrong with the atomic furnace it would be impossible to disprove and then bayless kent would become captain unless peter conroy could stop him he raced through the gleaming twisted corridors of the giant ship running frantically down and down toward number nineteen thrust tube he pushed his way past surprise crew members circled into the lower levels of the ship and made his way through the network of passages that led to the blast tubes finally he reached power section the guard at the door was one of kent's men he looked up startled as conway appeared 
What are you doing? Before the man could do anything, Conway cut him down with a shot from his ray pistol. This was war, civil war, and there was no time for subtlety. He stepped over the body and flung open the door of number 19. He took in the situation in a glance. The staff officers, including the captain, were lined up against one wall, and four of Kent's men were aiming their ray pistols. Kent was saying, Ready? Aim? But the last word was never uttered. Kent was beginning to form it when Conway got both his pistols out and started to fire. His first bolt smashed down the nearest executioner. A fraction of a second later, the man next to him dropped. Their attention deflected from the victims to Conroy, the other two, and Kent, whirled to face the newcomer. Two more bolts blasted out. The first one dropped one of the remaining gunmen, the second singeing Bayless Kent's shoulder. Conroy hit the floor as a buzzing blast bolt from the third man ripped over his head and splattered into the wall behind him. Firing from the floor, he put a bolt through Kent's remaining man, a moment after the gunman had raked the officers with his blaster. Some of them were dead. Conroy had no way of telling which ones. He had a more urgent problem. Bayless Kent was coming toward him, and the blaster needed recharging. There was no time to perform the operation. He hurled the dead pistol at Kent's midsection, and plunged after it. Kent met him head on. Even with a numbed shoulder, Bayless Kent was a formidable antagonist. His big fist pounded into Conroy's stomach, driving him back against the blaster-seared wall. He felt heat radiating through his uniform, then pushed away and stepped forward. His fist traveled in a short arc and crashed into the already singed shoulder of the other man. Kent roared in pain and Conroy mercilessly drove a fist into his stomach, sending him spinning dizzily backward. Conroy followed with a final punch, and Kent cracked heavily against the metal wall of the unit and slumped to the floor. Conroy looked around. The mopping-up operation was complete. As for the ship's officers, the wide-beam blaster had done its job well. Three of the men were shapeless corpses, leaning against the wall and two of the others were badly wounded, and one of these two was the age-bent figure of the captain. The old man was still alive. Conroy knelt by his side. "'Captain! Captain Conroy!' Peter shouted. The old man opened his eyes. "'Hello, son. That was a beautiful job you did.' "'But I was too late!' The old captain shook his head. No, I didn't have much time anyway. I'm a very old man now. He raised himself on one elbow. Who else is left? Conroy glanced around. Supply officer, power officer, maintenance officer, he said. And you. I don't count, the dying captain said. You'll be able to scratch me from the list soon. He frowned. No exec, no navigator. The captain leaned back and closed his weary eyes for a moment, then opened them again. "'It looks like it's up to you,' he said. His veined, aged hand went up to his collar and removed the golden star cluster of his rank. He handed it to Peter. "'Carry on, Captain Conroy.' 
he closed his eyes in death conroy stood up slowly tears in his eyes the golden cluster gripped tightly in his hand the ship would continue on to procyon now i will grandfather i will the end of voyage to procyon by robert silverberg